Chapter Fifteen of Natalie Page. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Natalie Page by Catherine Haviland Taylor. Chapter Fifteen. What occurred? Christmas time in New York is simply gorgeous, and I loved it and it was then that all the intense excitement started and that people began to understand what had made me nervous but i must tell what happened before the holidays came for a good many things occurred which proved to be notes in the cord of the big mystery once more my bracelet disappeared and reappeared as it had before at night and this time the scratching woke me from a sound sleep and as before i saw a tiny point of light caught in the gold and in this way watched it creep about a foot inside of the room by my bed and then stop and this time after it had rested for a moment it moved again with a jerk for about two inches then very quietly the door at the head of my bed closed and i heard the click of the doorknob after which the key fell from the lock and clattered loudly on the floor i lay there shaking and gasping and wishing that even amy were with me but amy and i were not good friends at that time well that night i got up switched on my lights and picked up the bracelet i tried to be a sport and so i said hello glad to see you back but my voice wasn't the sort that should have gone with those words then i put the bracelet up and was just about to turn off the lights when i heard my door open perhaps an inch and close quickly and i turned in time to see a hand reach in to get the flashlight which lay on the table by my bed shakily i said who is that but no one answered and i went to the door and looked out but no one was in sight from down the hall i could hear uncle archie snoring and then amy coughed nothing was the matter with them i closed my door and locked it although i did not see what good locks would be against a force of the sort i was meeting but it seemed safer every sound from the street rose to bother me and make me think that there was something outside the door every creak in the furniture made me jump i sat huddled up in a big chair warmly wrapped in a blanket but shaking as if i had two hundred and nine chills all at once and every once in a while i would think i heard a footstep in the hall if this goes on i thought i do not see how i can stand it and at that time i decided to give up the bracelet and have peace for everything looks blacker at night and in those dark hours it is easy to give up and let yourself be beaten a half an hour after that perhaps i heard the beginning of day in the whirr of motors and nothing ever sounded so good to me i wanted light most terribly and as all things that seem as far away as graduation or your first low-necked dress or your first train it eventually came and then i lay down and slept when i got up the next morning aunt penelope was nice to me for the first time since she thought i'd stolen evelyn's violets that is i mean she felt like being kind before she had been elaborately polite and as just as she could possibly be but i felt that this was because she would be uncomfortable if she weren't not because her instincts pointed my way with gentleness 
and I was so glad that I had to swallow a great many times as fast as possible, and couldn't say good morning to Uncle Archie, who got in with his greeting first and humped at me twice before I could respond. My dear child, said Aunt Penelope, are you ill? I said I was all right, I guessed, but I hadn't slept very well. Come here, she said. I did. She took my hands in hers and then laid a hand on my cheek. Hot, she said. Suppose we stay home from school today. I nodded. And do a little petting of ourselves, she went on. I said I thought that would be nice. Amy will take a note to Miss Gardner, Aunt Penelope continued, and will be cozily fixed at home and have Dr. Vance come in. And then she looked at me searchingly, patted my hand and sent me to my place. I didn't eat much. I didn't feel like it, and I was too busy thinking, for I had decided, with daylight, that I would not give up. Uncle Archie got up, before we had finished, as he always does, and as he went by my place laid five dollars by it. I did think that was dear of him. I asked if I might be excused, and followed him to the hall, and here I thanked him. He grunted and looked over my head, and you can imagine my surprise when he said, Guess you haven't been very happy lately, have you? I replied that I supposed it was my fault if I had not been, and then I don't know what made me, for I had become used to having people think wrong of me. I added, I did not take those violets. Huh? he grunted. I don't care enough for them, I went on. I prefer daisies to orchids, just as I prefer fishing to thé dansons. Fishing, said Uncle Archie and he stared down at the surface of the hall table, which shines highly where it isn't covered with a lovely piece of brocade. I used to fish, he said, but my soul, that was a long time ago, and he sighed. I got the impression that he liked it lots, and I think it seemed to him as if it had happened a long time past in his life, and that he had grown away from it in spirit too, and somehow couldn't go back. I felt very sorry for him, when I went back to the dining room, I found Evelyn just trailing in, wearing a negligee and looking pretty, but tired. She was fretful about a frock that had not come when she expected it, and sat toying with her breakfast and complaining about everything. And as always, when she began this, Amy started to say that she had nothing to wear, and that her clothes were the worst looking in school, and that she was ashamed to go. And then she began to cry. I was disgusted. And I thought Evelyn ought to be ashamed to start it, for bad temper is just as catching as measles or mumps, and anyone who gives it to the public should be punished in some way. Aunt looked tired. What is the matter with you? she asked. I never sit down that you and Amy don't ask for something, and I'm sure I don't see where you got that habit. I almost smiled at that. Then she looked at a little tiny diamond-trimmed wristwatch she wears spoke sharply to amy of the time added a word about her own engagements and both she and amy left evelyn and i who had not finished eating were alone and i did an awful thing but it was a satisfaction i told evelyn just what i thought of her she started it what is the matter with people she said sometimes they're simply on edge here i come in make a calm statement about needing frocks and amy begins to cry anyone can see that i need more than a child of her age does people are all pigs i said 
and want more than they have and more and more and more and that is the reason you're so unhappy you started the bad temper i continued it really was interesting for she had let her mouth open in astonishment and astonishment evidently relaxed the spring for it stayed so and then you wonder what made it any girl like amy looks up to an older sister and when the older sister complains the entire time why she does too and that's the reason i stated with entire frankness that you're going to miss happiness you think frocks and having things makes it well well things and frocks don't responsibility and love and giving make a return and they only look here i paused for a moment and then went on amy adores you she patterns herself over you therefore she is beginning to be cross to aunt and never to say a decent thing at home and to complain all the time that's what she sees in you evelyn stood up and i hurried on before she could break in she will miss real love as you will because real love hasn't enough money for motors and frocks and all she wants and i think real love is lucky for all he would get would be a request for more money complaints and no consideration look at uncle archie i added and i went on at length about his caring for fishing and never doing it and how he never sat down to a meal without a request of some sort from one of them for money that whole business has soured this family i said and i am glad you are not going to let it sour another since money is evidently most important to you then i left evelyn had plenty of time to speak but she didn't and what is more she didn't speak about it later or tell aunt penelope of what i had done i know it was frightful of me but as i said it was a satisfaction for i had come in the library one afternoon hunting a book and found evelyn and mr apthorpe sitting there before a fire the heavy rugs muffled my footsteps and before i could speak and let them know i was there i heard four thousand oh herbert i don't see how we could i love you but how could we manage on that and he hadn't come to call since so i knew how it ended that was what made me so mad to see her throw away that chance for it was a big one if she did care because of greed several weeks went by after that and everyone but evelyn was nicer to me she wasn't unpleasant but she didn't notice me the doctor said i was a little nervously upset and that commanded amy's respect and made the girls in school splendid to me hardly a day went by that i didn't get gumdrops or french pastry or have someone offer to let me wear their violets for a half hour i liked that and more for the spirit than for the benefits which i received from it mr kempwood was splendid to me all that time and took me for lots of nice drives and to the theatre several times we became better and better friends and he began to seem less old and more s k a chum one night he sent a servant up to ask if i cared to go walking with him before dinner i was in the dining-room helping ito serve aunt's friends who had been playing auction and were ready to be teed up when i hunted the man to give him my answer i couldn't find him until looking down the hall which leads toward the sleeping rooms i saw him step from my room i beg pardon he said as he reached me but i heard a window go up 
in that room and then a heavy tool drop it sounded like a sneak thief and i went to see the window was open miss and there is a bit of wood broken from the sill i beg pardon if i did wrong but there seemed to be no one about but the party of ladies and i thought immediate action necessary i said it was all right and thanked him and i found something he had not seen and that was that the lock of the window was broken someone had been there and with intent fixed that window so it could be opened it was one which led out on the little iron grilled balcony that was the night i set the trap if i recall correctly it was the night before thanksgiving but that doesn't matter what does matter was that five people wore bandages on their right hands the next day so how could i tell who had found the trap nothing seemed to work out as i hoped it would everything only made more confusion and i felt madame jumel smile End of chapter fifteen